We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We're the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. What's good, everybody? Before we get started on today's episode, big ups to the members of the Patreon, Nick Chavez, Mike Wozniak, Derek Leates, Corey Johnson Hoops, Christopher Velasquez, and Daniel Gibson. And a big shout out to some of the newest members of the Patreon we got as it's loading up right here. Ta-da-da. We got David Kawash, Dylan Clark, and Stefan Dale Ortiz. Stefan Dale Ortiz, thank you all for your contributions. This episode that you're about to hear now was actually on the Patreon last week. There's a pre-recorded episode that I did with my guy, A-double-L-E-N. Allen, a podcast and chill and i really like this one and i think you guys are too because it's going to give you a different insight on Allen. you know alan's been on the show for about a year and change now comes on with the nfl coverage you'll be hearing him a lot throughout the playoffs we got some stuff lined up for all of you guys so sit back relax enjoy this conversation Allen and i have about the future of sports media digital media how he came up in the game how i came up in the game and just a good conversation with my guy, Alan, man. Really smart dude, really insightful dude. And I even got a lot out of this one, too, despite knowing Alan for about a decade now. There's a lot that I learned about Alan. So hope you guys enjoy this one. We'll be back later on this week with a new episode running through some NFL and NBA stuff. There is an NBA preview show being recorded over the weekend. That's going to be up on the Patreon as well. 
uh impy's gonna be joining me my buddy nick marco as well you guys might be familiar with what we did last year with them so it's gonna be fun man nba right around the corner it's about to heat up again so yeah shout out to everybody who continues to listen spread the word and enjoy this episode podcast and chill with my guy a double l e n Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I should have done this before I fucking press record, but I'm here in studio with my guy Alan. Hey, double, what up, baby? Hey, we're here. I've been uh, been wanting to talk to you on this, do a podcast and chill with you because these are a little more laid back. If you saw the start of this video on the YouTube channel, you saw me moving away the laptop, and um, these are these have become. The ones that I get the most engagement with, the ones that people like storytelling, people like the journey of everyone and everyone has a unique story. And that's what I really like about the podcast and chills, you know, like the one thing, Alan, that I've started to describe what the show is about and the direction that it's been is like, you'll come here and you'll get your stats You'll get your PFF shit and you'll get your like content bars yeah. and current events and sports. We're going to touch on that. Mm. But I love these conversations the most. I think these conversations have made me a better person because when's the last time, bro, you've hung out with someone and like phones were in a distraction? Usually it happens really on dates because I, you know, I have respect for women, man. I'm not putting taking my phone. You're on. a stallion, <laughs> baby. You're a gentleman. I would take my phone out when they go to the bathroom. All right, let me just see what's up. But uh, other than that, yeah, phones are usually there because it's just like a lot of it's about sports, and you want to just whether I'm going to show you a thing on Instagram or I'll show you a tweet or for watching a game. It's like no, phones are going to be out. Yeah, like I noticed that I'm on my phone a lot on Sundays. You know, in the past, I started taking your approach, man, where I remember you telling me a while back when I would tell you how I hate being on my phone on Sunday. You're like, bro, you're missing opportunities, man. You got to be on there on Sunday. So now mm-hmm. I'm like a little bit more active on Sundays, kind of have the laptop and I'm watching my red zone and I'll have the Giants game on every now and then, uh, depending on how well they're doing. But, you know, the, the reason why I'm even bringing that up is because I wanted to do with this this one with you for a while mm-hmm. because you do have a unique story, a unique perspective. And also how I want to open up this conversation is, you know, you've been in the sports media world way longer than I have. When did you start writing and sort of let's go back even further. When did you know that this is what you wanted to do as far as like being in the sports world and creating content? I think it was like 2009 I really wanted to get into it because even growing up, I loved watching those pregame shows, whether it be Fox, CBS, or even ESPN. I just loved the whole aspect of, of an analyst. Like, we're going to preview games. We're going to highlight a player. Like, I just love the breakdowns of it, whether it be more of a story or more of a technical aspect. So that was always cool to me growing up, just kind of seeing like, oh, okay, this weekend it's Peyton Manning, or maybe we'll talk about Brett Favre. Just growing up and seeing like these players got highlighted, it was just cool to me. And I just love that. But then I kind of moved more towards the right side because I just always 
I don't know if it's me being camera shy. Like, I don't mind being on camera, but I just think it's more of a challenge to put words together. Like, I love putting together like 3,000 words if possible. I know now, given everything's going to be mobile friendly, everyone's looking at SEO, it's going to be more condensed. It's like a thousand words, which I totally get. You got to acclimate. But, you know, starting out, it was like when I was 16, but I didn't start taking it seriously until like I was 19 because, you know, I was very immature growing up, doing a lot of reckless stuff. But eventually, you know, seeing kind of like Twitter, which I think the best thing about Twitter, just seeing people like rise, you know, being inspired by others. And not necessarily football. It could be basketball. It could be MMA. You know, Ariel Hwani, you know, we've had him on the show. He's my guy. You know, getting inspired by that. I think if you have the right people that you follow and the right people that you consistently see their work, you get inspired by that. So I think that's what really helped me mature. It just seeing people in different outlets doing their thing. It's like, damn, they're doing this. Why can't I? So that was kind of my approach when I was 19. So you're... How old are you now? 27. 27. So we're two years apart. It was weird because I did not think this was going to be something I'd be doing. Like five years ago, six Mm -hmm. years ago, I I didn't. You know, we, I mean, I've always been a sports fan. I always was the guy that my buddies would come up to me and like my sports take kind of, this is going to sound so shallow and like egotistical, but like. I feel like every group of friends had that one dude you would turn to and be like, "Yo, what do you think of this or that?" Like I was signing like that too. Yeah, yeah, like I was, I, I'm, I yeah. was a sports dude. Right. You know, like people would always come to me, and and it was like across the board on all sports. Like I know a little bit about a lot, and like obviously there are certain sports that I don't know enough about, mm-hmm. and then there's stuff where I think like expertise, I guess, and I do air quotes because I think. I just hate using that word. Like, right, expert. Right, like it. it's just weird to me. But I always wanted to do like coaching. I always thought my coach, like coaching was probably my favorite thing to do. Like high school football, I would go back and help out my old high school. And uh, I just had a knack for it. You know, I was able to, when I was up in Buffalo at Buffalo state, I was able to like dissect certain plays and tendencies. when I was just like the kicker in the back of the room. I'd be like, yo, you could tell like by his stance he could do this or that or he's gonna open up and so I was always I always had like an itch for that, but the coaching industry is a crazy road to get to like the top, just like anything, right? right? But I feel like this is more not just more intense, but very much results oriented. Right. Yeah. Because look, everyone needs to succeed, everyone needs to reach objectives, but I think coaching is a little bit more of your hands because you're really dependent on others. Like no matter how much you push your, you know, your message towards, you know, high school athletes, if they're not executing it, it's going to fall on you. So that's why coaching can become a very sticky area. I remember all those years that people wanted John Gruden to go and coach again. And he's in Monday Night Football. It's, I'm telling folks, why? Like, why would you, if you're Romo right now, and a team comes up to you and like, yo, you know what? We want to make you the offensive coordinator. Why would you leave the CBS? Or even a GM. Like, like why? Like Eventually, you, you hear Lewis Riddick every now and then get mentioned for a GM opening. I love that, dude. Yeah, I think he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. By the way, have you noticed that no one's complaining about the Monday Night Football crew this year? Oh, yeah, well, you get rid of Booger. <laughs> yeah, but even like, I feel like Joe Tessitore is a little over the top also. Oh, when he was young, Showtime Mahomes, I was just like enough like there was that i think it was against denver it was like mahomes his first star in prime time he just kept calling him showtime mahomes showtime i'm like enough he's just like very animated yeah. i like him on boxing though yeah. boxing it's it's Cause a that's little... a sport you kind of want to be animated so. right yeah you want to be more passionate yeah. about it so like going back to me man i never i never thought i'd be doing something like this and 
when did uh when was like your first break into the industry probably 21 i remember i was getting my spring semester organized i remember being baruch which is right by like right in the thick not midtown but more not too far from midtown like it's about 15 minute walk from uh mass square garden say for people not in new york like mass square gardens like right in the thick 33rd Brooks around like 25th and Lexington, so it was a bit of a walk. But I just remember getting the offer from Espionation. It was like mid-January. And Falcons didn't have a coach. Like Mike Smith just got fired. They were actually looking at Rex Ryan to be wow, the coach. Wow, that would have been lit. <laughs> yeah, Rex Ryan and then Todd Bowles, but both actually chose both Buffalo and then the Jets. So Falcons ultimately wait till early February to hire Dan Quinn because Seattle was right, in the right, Super right. Bowl. They were. Lost the Patriots. So, yeah, I remember just getting that offer. I was like, whoa. This is great because at that point I was writing for two years on a couple of different websites doing podcasts with my boy Aaron, and um, yeah, I was like slowly proving myself, but it was just it was nothing. There's nothing was really happening. It was just more of like okay, I'm in this position where you know I'm writing, I'm podcasting, but I haven't had any major breaks. We haven't had any significant guests, but now it's just like okay, 20 years old. Now I'm gonna start getting paid. Now I can actually get my credentials. Now I can start interviewing players. Like this is big. Now I'm gonna be on a platform where. You know, I think at the time, Falcoholic, they had like 40,000 followers. So I was like, okay, now my work's going to get posted there compared to now. Because uh, back then, it was just independent stuff. You're just right. more about, this is my following, and you just hope something will catch on. Now it's like, okay, I have like infrastructure behind me. Now it's not solely on me. Of course, like, I got to put together great content, but now I have someone that's backing me, someone that could give me guidance, someone that could structure properly. Because I think one issue I had early on as a writer was putting together a title. Because to me, it's like, okay, I don't want to be too generic, but the last thing I want to do is be clickbaity because it's just not my style. One thing about me is like I'm always going to provide substance. I don't like really doing much gimmicky stuff. I might latch on to a trend here and there, but I'm going to make it into my own. And, you know, ultimately, I want to give you content. I want you to be informed by it. But the last thing I want to do is just do some very clickbaity, some very TMZ attention-seeking headline. That just it's just not. There's no integrity behind. It. I think that's just not right. That's just not who I am. So trying to get the title was always something that I had to work on. It's like okay, we're not gonna be basic, but don't be clickbaity. So eventually, just having that kind of stuff really helped mold me as a writer. So you know, game that was at 21. Then first game I ever covered, I was 22. It was Falcons Giants Week Two. Went to MetLife, and uh, from then on, I started covering games. What uh, where would you rank that moment when SB Nation says that your stuff is good enough to be on on board? Because I wouldn't say actually, I would say, man, we seek validation. Yeah. We just do absolutely. And all the people that say, "Nah, man, I don't," it's like, no, you do, mm-hmm. right? I my consumer is my fan base. They're also in a way. They're kind of my employer, too, because if no one was listening to the show, then I wouldn't be making any money to get the studio and to be able to sort of have a better career path and idea of what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So the idea of like, "Ah, I don't care what people think. I think that's corny to me. I think that's inauthentic. I think that's just you trying to be way cooler than you really are. Or people that don't read comments. Like I get there's some toxic, there's some trolls out there, but like you have to be able to take constructive criticism and you have to realize, you know, not everyone's out to get you. Like, even if someone has, like, 32 followers, they actually might have some quality criticism. They might have some comment where you have to take into consideration. That's one thing, you know, I've learned over the years. I really like streaming on Twitch, even though I haven't done it in a while. Mm-hmm. And I don't do it as consistent as I once was because 
you know, when the football season comes around, man, a lot of things take take a backseat. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've had conversations with my parents in the past, and they know, like, football, it's, it's a lot because it's not just football. There's football headlines every day, all the time. There's the gambling aspect. There's the fantasy aspect about it. Mm-hmm. There's... You know, you have, I mean, this year you had the NBA in the middle of this too because of COVID. You have all this other shit that's going on. And look, I'm not happy that that's how it is, but that is how it is too. You know, it's it's hard for you to find a happy balance between both personal and business. And that's one thing that I've really struggled with throughout the years. And I still continue to struggle with it. I would think I've done a better job. My parents would think otherwise. And what, what would you pinpoint? Man, I I do think like sometimes I'm a little too like into what I'm doing. Okay, so a bit of addiction, you would think? Yeah. Okay. But it's I would say it's a good addiction because it pushes you. Yeah, it's inspiring, it's motivating, right? right? Like I think there's there's certain addictions that are good and there's obviously the evil ones. Right. But I think like with this addiction for me, it's it's leading towards something. It's keeping me going it's keeping me sane it's keeping me having fun yeah right there's also right there's also the there's the addiction of gambling where gambling is the only addiction that you can actually win in Mm -hmm. right like you can you can hypothetically speaking go over to bet online or you could go to FanDuel, and you could put in a hundred dollar bet and win 2k you're going to become addicted to that right you've that's seen the, the success. It's like, right. well, why and can't replicate it? you've seen the return. You're like, oh, more? this is exactly. Yeah, why can't so I build on it? Gambling is the only addiction that can, you can see some positive out of it, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're into drugs, like those can end terribly. Alcoholic, if you're an alcoholic, yeah. that can end terribly. Mm-hmm. But they're like, if you're an addict to the gym, I think that's pretty dope, right? Like you want to be fit. You want right. to be a little more, like I work out every day now. You know what I mean? So going back to how this conversation even started, like with me, with the validation, like reading the comments, I think it's important to read the comments. Like if someone tells you like, yo, bro, go to hell, fucking die. Like, yeah, yeah, obviously he's a troll, bro. But if someone like in my Twitch community, my favorite thing about it is like those people are kind of a different element of fan, right? Like they're watching you play video games. They're watching you stream. It's a little different dynamic. They're also paying you money because they want to be a subscriber. Like you could kind of coin them as like more ride or die than like the person that just listens to your podcast, which isn't a bad thing. Like I love everybody, right? Everyone that's listening or or watching or liking, it goes into building this entire brand that I'm doing. But people like in the comments that'll DM me and they're like, yo, bro, the lighting in that video was kind of suspect compared to your other ones. It's like, yeah, bro, this dude watches all my shit. Like, obviously there's some validation coming right. from him. It's a little different from fucking Bradley white, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, as opposed to like even Taryn, yeah. like Taryn was a fan in the beginning. And like, I've gotten to know him and like we game and shit. We text each other like, yo, get on call of duty and whatnot. And, like he's been on the podcast a ton, and even when he kind of criticizes me, it's like you got to be able to understand the difference between criticism and like someone just like genuinely looking out for your right. thing. Not everything's a personal insult. Exactly. Yeah, that's how you have to look at it. Like people, it's it's about your work. It's not about your character. Like if someone's gonna criticize you, you, you I think you have to have the, you know, the intelligence of knowing how to separate it. It's mm-hmm. like okay, not yeah, okay. You could be the most passionate person by your work. If someone critiques it, it's not insult of who you are as a person. It's like, okay, just 
you gotta make this make this adjustment or you know maybe take a little bit of a step back like i just think people get insulted far too easily it's like oh, like okay we know this is your life we know you're so passionate about it but you know now everything's gonna be perfect i think one issue i had in the past is i've you know, I'm still kind of a bit of a perfectionist and I'm put a lot of pressure on myself to deliver. But if I didn't necessarily, if something didn't go perfectly right, you know, I definitely would harp on it too much. And, you know, I would have like this really gloomy outlook and I just get really, really down myself just because like, you know, I have these expectations. I just want to deliver. I want to make sure everyone's satisfied because for me, it's like I want everyone to be informed. But man, you can't please everyone. That's the thing, man. Because that working in media, it's like, you're chasing that acceptance. That's the main thing. It's like, okay, I just want to be that, that accepted guy. I just want to have my following. And I just want, when I post something, people are going to react and it's going to be 100% approval. It doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. It's just, you're going to have some criticism and you're just going to have some things where, okay, it didn't necessarily go to plan. So, you know, that's kind of like now I've kind of had to look at the past few years. It's like understanding that, you know, the aim is you, you want to be per- like, you want no wrong it's like you want everything to deliver don't get me wrong we still have high standards for something but you gotta understand there will be setbacks you know that's just how life is and you gotta make sure you have the mindset to be able to take it in and then make those proper adjustments and then you know use it to fuel you and deliver that's it well especially in the world that we're living in with the sports world Mm -hmm. you're trying to be perfect in an imperfect world right like no matter what like i was looking at my year-long nfl predictions Lions winning the division. Well, you were shooting a little bit, like I was, yeah. but it's like you know, saying that this the Seahawks are going to go eight and eight, mm-hmm. and then they start off the year six and zero, oh, and it's just like oh, you know, getting heat for that and whatnot. Yeah. But it's just you got to understand that uh, I always bring the analogy of sports betting, how professional sports betters strive for fifty five percent. Dude, fifty five percent, you could be yeah. a professional sports better. If you were to tell me right now, like yo, the rest of the season from from this point on. You could pick 55% of your games. I'd ask you for money and let's go invest it mm-hmm. because that's something that's so difficult. So in the sports world, you see it all the time. Like I've stopped trolling people like, oh, my God, you told me to start Mike Davis <laughs> over A.J. Brown or some shit. Yeah. It's like, bro, it's if you give me the facts, if you give me the stats, you give, give me, me a compelling case. Yeah, if you give yeah. me a case, like I'm going to listen to it and yeah. then whatever happens, happens. Like one of my buddies a couple of weeks ago, he was like, yo, I really, really like... It's like, I really, really like DK Metcalf this week, for like from DFS. Okay. I was like, yo, I'm kind of leaning more Lockett than Metcalf. Why do you like Metcalf? And he gave me all the reasons. The game I'm talking about is a Cardinals game. Lockett goes for 12, 203. <laughs> and it's like, yo, I kind of, I hear you. I hear what you were saying. And it's just like, sometimes it's just, it's a coin flip. It's, it's shit out of luck. Right. Going back to the conversation about DMs and reading comments, Bro, when I linked up with Blue Wire, it was because Kevin DM'd me. He's like, hey, man, I like your stuff. I want to bring you on board. You have a chance to chat. What if I was an asshole and I was just like, fuck that, man. I'm not reading no comments. I'm not doing mm-hmm. this. I'm not doing that. Being very standoffish. Yeah. That's one thing you don't want to be in the industry. If you're standoffish, A, you start getting a reputation. People don't really want to interact with you. And then you're potentially losing on opportunities. I hate seeing people calling out people in the same industry as them in the sense of like you see it a lot in fantasy you see it a lot in sports betting like oh my god you had david johnson rank so high clown is this you i hate is this is this you culture it's in the mount rushmore of things that drive me the the crazy because like bro 
that person you can network with them mm-hmm. going back to how you said about twitter like twitter is tremendous for networking yeah all right usually everyone's email is there you could dm them most all people right. you could dm and i hate this is you it's like yeah bro my bad we i thought, all have bad takes i thought jared golf was a top five quarterback <laughs> in 2018 yeah yeah now it looks ugly but yeah. fuck let me rock all right it's like look we all have takes and we all have we all watch and we try to see okay you know we you watch enough tape to gauge an opinion. It's like, okay, we're going to put enough information behind it. That's what we believe in. If it doesn't come to fruition, look, we got to take it. Because one thing I think you see a bit of an issue is, and this comes from maybe uh, analyst journalism aspect, is more of you know people not making their wrongs. Like they're trying to. That's a big one, dude. Yeah, ma- making kind of excuses for why in a team, why didn't a team make the playoffs, or why didn't this quarterback progress, or you know why did this general manager make this draft pick, or draft picks another one. That's another thing. Like if if a team didn't draft a certain player, I just think at this time it's like okay, you can make enough of a rational reason behind you making a decision, but you gotta be just accountability is so big in life, man. Accountability anywhere. It's like okay, I made this mistake. This is what happened. If it was. It was dumb, fine, I'll admit to it. But if it was something that I thought I had a credible opinion on, fine. But I just think you have to be able to address that in a very mature manner. I just think there's too much now. It's like, oh, I got it wrong. So what? Like, I usually get this right. Like, all right, you usually do what? But we're talking about this now. Let's focus on this. You know, we just have to analyze things one by one rather than just give this overly dramatic, long overview of something when we're just focusing on one particular topic. Dude. Where do you, where do you see media, sports media going as someone that came into the ranks as, I guess, a writer to now like, bro, I'm never writing anything. <laughs> I'm just not. It's just it not my skill. It, takes, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I can't formulate 140 character, 280 <laughs> character tweets without like fucking up something i it's, it's an art i still yeah. don't know the difference between effect and effect i don't i'm being honest with you you know how many that's, times that, that's a common one you, you know how many times i've asked people about perspective and prospective i don't know I, uh, it's just i'm an asshole i'm an idiot i don't know i just i i think i bring something to the table it's just not writing yeah. so as someone who came into the ranks as a writer as a journalist mm-hmm. you've heard people say about how newspapers dying no one's reading anything print Print is dying. Yeah, everything is electronic. Where do you... How do you feel about this transition now where, like, podcasting is blowing up? Now there's over a million Apple podcasts right now registered. Just, like, the evolution of media, how do you navigate through it as someone who... I guess you kind of have to pivot your shit, too. Like, writing is still important and at its core, it's what you're Mm -hmm. about. But also, like, yo, I need to be in front of a camera. I need to do a podcast, have my voice heard. You gotta be able to use design like gifs, for instance. Like you gotta be creative with that. Bro, by the way, yeah, I fucking love that shit. Yeah, that's the, like one of the things I really caught on because it just—it's a cool concept. It's tremendous, yeah. bro. I love it. And you know, like just know that I get a wild sensation in my body whenever it's something Julio, <laughs> Julio just running routes and sending corners yeah, out yeah. of the. He torched Denver. Woo! Oof. But I, uh, I think it started especially in 2017, and this was the first time. It was a little scary for me, just trying to understand it when. Fox Sports basically said, we're getting rid of our entire editorial staff. We're not writing, period. We're going all digital, which ended up being kind of a bad move on their part. But even you saw at ESPN, like 2017 was the first time I saw massive layoffs within the industry. And a lot of it came from an editorial base. It's like, look, we're focusing more on digital. We're focusing more on podcasting. 
you know, that's kind of where we're getting the most revenue. Like it's just this, the discrepancy is huge when it comes to numbers. Like when I was working at Billboard 2018, they were showing me just how much more buzz they get from whether it be tweets showcasing, you know, podcasts and interview, whether it be audio or video or video, or just something like a documentary of an artist, whoever. Like it just people gravitate to more whether it be five minutes long or 15 minutes long they just like the visual effects of it they like the presentation and they also know it's like it's like right through there like i don't know it just creates more engagement like you're you're seeing things come right at you rather than scrolling down and you know maybe there's times where you know it could be like the storytelling could be a little bit too over top or it's kind of you know, samey, like, I don't know, something about visual people just get more excited for it. So that's kind of things I've had to take into account and, you know, try to get more comfortable with it because, you know, even though I'm a writer at heart, one thing about sports me is that you got to be versatile. If you're not versatile, you're kind of going to just fade away. Even guys that are older, like I know people in their like 60s and 70s, they came into the industry and they're, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, they've been covering, you know, they were covering Robert, Roger Stahlbuck and Joe Namath. And then they went to eventually, you know, Warren Moon or whatever. I know I'm just passing on. Right, 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 right. But there are guys that, you know, okay, they have their experience. They have their 30 years. They don't really have to acclimate because, look, they got their following. They got their audience. And I think they're pretty content with what they're doing. But people at our age now, it's like, we're not content. We're just trying to evolve. We're still pushing. So that's where you kind of have to look at, you know, what's trending and, you know, what are some of the more uh, cool aspects, what's developing, whether it be, you know, the draft, for instance, like people understand how big the draft is, whether it's football or basketball, just analyzing players and putting together these breakdowns, that's big. And, you know, of course, we know regular season, just, you know, professional sports as itself. But, you know, you just have to look at different avenues and kind of use, you know, graphics and then also using like video software and just putting together like this cool concept because, you put science together, next thing you know, you could get like 70,000 views and people want more. And then who knows who could be calling. Like there might be actual professional teams that want to work with you. So that's what, you know, the beauty of Twitter is. Yeah, no, you're right. And you hit on a lot of topics there about like, you know, the viral moment. Everyone seems to think that viral moment is going to change things for you. And it might. It could be a building block. That's how I look at it. It could. Yeah, it be- could. Like fucking that dude dog face right like he he drank that cranberry juice and he's on the skateboard and now this guy is like he blew the fuck up just off that but he was i didn't know this he was creating content for a while before that that just happened to be the one that caught on to it i had a video go viral got like 3.2 million views on like instagram and twitter my daniel jones that's what i was gonna guess yeah video but like I got like five to 600 followers off that. Yeah. I got some more downloads on the podcast following. Some people stayed. Mm. Next video I put up got like 120 likes. Right. Not 1,000, just 120. Right, right, right. So it's understanding what works. Like sometimes dumb shit is what catches on. I think with the evolving and especially with us podcasting, I think I still don't think it's hit its ceiling, bro. Still don't think podcasts have really gotten to the point where I think it's gonna go. Like I really do think that the Joe Rogans of the world, Bill Simmons, uh, Charlemagne the God, who have launched their own networks and then like big multimedia companies are coming in and like buying the rights to them. Right. Like that's where I think the future of podcasting goes. And you know, what you were mentioning before about 
you don't want clickbait stuff. You don't want to hop on a trend, though. You might follow it a little bit just right. to see if it works for you That's or not. It's all about personality, though. Right. Yeah. You also don't want to be inauthentic, mm-hmm. right? Like everything that I promote or talk about, it's things that I care about. That's right. why I think it resonates with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, the people that I listen to and I'm a fan of, it's people like that. You know, I've had multiple companies I want to sponsor things, but it's mm-hmm. like my demographic is 18 to 35. You know, more girls are listening to the shows now than before. Nice. And it's it's like, I'm not going to fucking promote some like erectile dysfunction thing. <laughs> like, it's like, well, I've heard that be promoted a little bit too. Yeah. It's like, you know, sometimes you have to, and yeah. I get that. But for the most part, it's just like being authentic to your brand and your audience. Because then eventually when you do tell people to go somewhere, they go and do it. Like when I write in the Discord on the, the people that are in the Discord for the show, and I tell them, like, hey, man, can you guys retweet this or repost it? Bro, within five minutes, it's like 20 retweets right off the bat. And then the algorithm drives it up a little right. bit more and whatnot. Or I'll drop a link from the Instagram that I want promoted. But they also know that I don't do this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't ask them to go and repost something all. Like, every. I don't ask everyone to do it for every episode. All right, the Narcos episode, when I had the guys that fucking took down Pablo Escobar, yeah. I was like, hey, can you guys, like, promote that? That'd be really, really cool for me to do that. Or, like, if I have, like, when we had Ariel Hawani yeah. on, like, I, you know, like, if it's something extreme and dope like mm-hmm. that, like, yeah, you know, I want more eyes to see mm-hmm. it. And I want to make an emphasis of it being promoted in a certain way. But I do think that the future of podcasting, and I've been talking a lot about that the last couple of episodes, because I really want to show people that it's still not where it's going. Because it, it, to me, it took off in... 2013 that's when i really saw it grow so you have to look at in a way it's like okay it's what seven years now so with more time and more companies investing in like you've mentioned in networks before i think that's where we're going to see it i guess grow where you know you want to see what the structure is going to be like you know what actual sponsors get more because you obviously see a lot of sponsors and sponsors are the main driving force behind it when it comes to you know getting that you know revenue and so uh, I'm curious about that as well. Just, you know, how many more? Because cause you look at what Spotify is doing. Spotify is taking huge investment into it. Like, they're really putting, like, when you saw the Joe Rogan deal, it was like, whoa, okay. That's a bit of a, ga- that's a, bit of a game changer. Yeah. And then what Charlemagne, like you mentioned before, he's doing with the Black Effect Network. And now they're getting actual shows on board, like things that aren't, weren't necessarily on po- podcasts, but now they're kind of... Because the thing is, like, you could turn videos into podcasts. That's why podcasts is kind of like a vague term when you look at it. Like, I love... Favorite thing I right now I'm watching, well, I've been watching for a bit, All the Smoke with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. I can't say enough good things about those dudes. They're kind of like a show that was just on Showtime, but now they could convert into a podcast with audio. So that's why it doesn't exactly have to be a podcast. It could just be, you know, you could be your own studio and post a video, but... You know, there's people out there, you know, millions that if they're commuting and whether they're driving or taking the train, you know, me taking the train, you know, I have an hour, hour and 15. I always want to put my headphones in and that's how I'm going to get my content and that's how I'm going to become educated or how I'm going to laugh. I don't like telling people that I do a podcast. I tell them I do a show. Okay. I have a brand. Yeah. I feel like podcast limits you. Like I remember hearing this analogy one time, Eric Thomas said, if you write a book, don't say you write a book. You wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Say you're an author. Because an author means that more things are coming. Right. You wrote a book. It's like, all right, that could be it. 
Whereas if I tell people you have a podcast, like, nah, man, there's video, there's a, there's a studio now, there's an, there's editors, there's uh, segments, segments, yeah. there's promotion, mm-hmm. there's a network backing it. There's a lot of shit that mm-hmm. goes into it. And it's just creating more out of one thing. Like in the past, it was just audio. Now it's like, all right, man, let's, let's put it on the YouTube channel. Let's also cut it up and promote five, six clips that we think are funny interesting thought-provoking promote them on instagram and twitter Mm -hmm. and you just drive content back to the podcast which at its core that is the bread getter for the show that is really what is paying the bills but there's other ways to create content like this podcast that us two are doing it's going to be on the youtube channel there's going to be clips there's going to be minute long clips there's going to be segments broken up Mm -hmm. like before you know it there's going to be like 20 pieces of content out of one hour long conversation exactly so that's the that's the evolution of it i i tell people that i kind of work with at blue wire i'm like man if you can if you have even if you're doing zoom like a lot of people are doing zooms right because like there's people that you know like my buddy cody who does full slate the betting podcast i've had him on before he's in new york his buddy is in virginia i think it's like, obviously, they can't do a fucking in-studio because of the commute. But it's like, yo, you, you know, do it on Zoom. Save it on Zoom. Cut up a clip or two, right? Like, it's just you just create more content. So that's kind of where I'm at with the whole content creator business, you know, turning shit into a brand. I do think that someone like you man i really like that you've really carved out that lane with the with the gifts right that's something where using once again you're using software because i think software is so important to know especially with companies like they want you to know whether it's adobe creative suite photoshop and design or like giphy software that i use um or if you're working in the marketing fields like hubspot mailchimp like it's just so much software out there that you could use to enhance your brand or enhance the company's brand, depending on what your position is. And I think that's what you have to use. That's why I think technology, the tech world in general is just so fascinating because you don't know what's going to be developed that could just really exponentially grow. Like you see different apps being developed and it can really help your daily life. You know, it could be something as simple as Lyft or it be something like a Blue Apron. Like you just see so many things being developed and you kind of have to use it to your advantage. Like everyone, some people look at apps and it's just like, oh, it's just more money going to be spent. But like, no, this for efficiency purposes, this could really benefit your life. And that's how I kind of look at it when it comes to using different sorts of software or different using, you know, social media networks. It's just like trying to take things and applying it and just, you know, show it to audiences, but also giving them a, a fresh perspective of it. Like, I'm not going to just take something and, you know, take someone else's opinion and use it. It's like, no, it's got to be organic. You know, I want to like actually look at, take a deep dive into it and give them some sort of, you know, words that, you know, will inform them and then make them want to see more of it because it's a constant, consistent thing. You know, when I do, whether it's GIFs or, you know, that different sorts of videos. All righty. Pepsi is back. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Look, 
I am a little insulted by this ad read because the boy can hit a 50-yard field goal. You know what I'm saying? So maybe we are part of the 1% of 1% of 1%. But anywho, let's get back to the read. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. And while we are here, might as well bang out another one. <laughs> Yo, Indeed is back. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with the candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job post, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you can. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. And let's just bang out one more. One more while we are here. Bet online. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. Head over to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. That's all one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So you mentioned before about how uh, you got to interview athletes and players and shit. Mm -hmm. That had to be a surreal one, right? Unbelievable. Like the first one? Who was the first one? Do you remember? In person or a podcast? Uh, give me both. Uh, podcast was, ironically, Jamal Anderson, the Dirty Bird himself. Wow, let's go. Yeah, legendary Falcons running back. Super cool dude. He, he, he's still someone that's, you know, I've interviewed him quite a bit. He's still like a fan at heart. He's just someone that's always very joyful. Like He's just someone that's very animated. Because you have some retired players that are kind of jaded or they don't follow sports much. He just loves, especially the topic of running backs. Cause he, was, he was one of the first running backs, I think, had or 400 carries like he ran the ball i believe like 428 times that Jesus super bowl season Christ. and his career ended like three years later but like he just he loves talking about running backs in particular and he still has that old school mindset but uh in person um like it wasn't a one-on-one but like you know quarterbacks kind of have their own press conference so I, like i went to matt ryan's so i had a couple of questions with matt ryan which it was obviously cool um but it, when it came to i would say the locker room um I believe it was i want to say tevin coleman it was just like a brief thing by my interviewing tevin coleman it was like his rookie year and then leonard hankerson like it was like 2015 falcons yeah like those are some of like the beginning days but then by like 2016 like the first like 
The first time I got really starstruck was Dwight Freeney. Mm. That was. Did you say he called you sir? He called me sir three times, and like, because I was just asking him because it was him and versus Jason Pierce, and I was talking about, you know, what's the, like playing under Dan Quinn, you know, just you know when it comes to like gap schemes and just how you kind of adjusted now being like a part-time player you know situational edge rusher and like he's 36 and at the time i'm 23 and he just keeps calling me sir i'm just like dude like i was like eight years old watching you like what are we doing right now but it was just like those kind of moments are really cool so yeah i I think that was like the first wow moment and then julio julio no julio i've had julio about four times oh and but only once was one-on-one and that was only because Salute to him, one of my favorite people, Muhammad Sanu, helped me hook it up because Muhammad still likes my work. And uh, I remember I was in Washington. This is 2018. This is actually after Julio scored his first touchdown of the season. In 2018, he didn't score a touchdown. That was I like, remember people this were the, shitting on this him. Is the, Julio was a kid again in the end zone, and he scores a touchdown against Washington he, off like a screen. It was a like garbage time. And like, I don't know, Lance in a good move. They're three and four. They're starting to get their season back on track. They went on to lose like five straight afterwards. But I remember interviewing Sanu and he was happy to meet me. And I was just like, man, I, like, where's Julio at right now? He's like, oh, he's coming, he's coming. He's like, but he's like, come here quickly because people are going to mob him. So, because usually when Julio, like I've interviewed Julio, af- Julio after they lost the Patriots, not the Super Bowl, I didn't go to the Super Bowl, the Sunday night game. Which oh, was the, the fog, reaction. right? The yeah, fog? Brutal fog game. I interviewed him at, like also after they lost to Philly in the playoff game. But there was like twelve media members. There's players like Julio, Devontae Freeman as well. They just take up like when they speak, people are just gonna go to them. Like you have those star players because they aren't a quarterback or a quarterback have their own personal press conference. Uh, these players like Julio, it's just like once he's here, it's like all right, everyone circle up. Hopefully you got a question. I'm cheesing right now, OD. Yeah. Bro, the space <laughs> the space over there where the panels are a little like off right. is because there's a Julio canvas right. coming. And he's not very talkative, but one thing I love about Julio is he's very straight to point and you could tell it comes from a genuine place. Like he's someone that was he'll like he's obviously pretty politically correct, but he, you could tell when he's passionate about something, like he'll get agitated when someone asks him about Oh, so what do you think about these next three weeks? You got a couple good matchups coming up. Or what do you think about people saying you haven't recovered from the Super Bowl? It's like he'll tell you. He's like, oh, we don't care about it. So we don't care. Like you just tell you. It's kind of pissed off about it. But when you start asking about you know certain play designs or, oh, it seemed like you and Matt Ryan finally got uh, you know on track when it came to you know connecting on you know more vertical routes, you know, he'll get more excited about that. The more technical aspect, it's like, okay, now you're executing more. When you talk about certain plays or certain moments, he gets more you know, expressive about compared to it's like, you know, Super Bowl talk because I don't know, there's certain media like they just they they're very just formulaic. They just go for the whole easy narrative because, you know, when I was covering a lot of games, this was in twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen and this was kinda when, you know, the Super Bowl talk was at its peak. So that's something you had to get with. But when it comes to players for the most part, nothing but positive interactions, a lot of good stuff. You just there are a couple of players that you could tell are not really in the mood because I've been in some pretty down locker rooms, especially after a playoff loss. That's one of the weirdest experiences. It's after a playoff loss and like these players are just trying to get out and you're just trying to get one or two because, you know, people got to understand like when you have an editor expecting you to have, you know, put together a piece with like four or five interviews, you got to try to deliver. But sometimes things are out of your hands. Players aren't going to wait around for you. Like I'll never forget one time trying to interview Austin Hooper and I brought up, I brought up Devin Kajus to him as like a leeway to get him in because they went to Stanford together and I went to high school with Kajus. So I brought up Hooper and it's like, yeah, that's my buddy. He's a good dude. 
I'll see you later. <laughs> oh, shit. Also, Hooper's a good dude, but like Hooper's probably one of the few. Him and Desmond Trufant blow me off a bit. Like, those are like the two guys. But other than that, like I had great talks. Like Dottari Poe, that's my guy. I love Visa Dottari Poe. I'll never forget. He called me Big Dog. <laughs> it was the funny. Dottari Poe, 345, called me Big Dog. That was hilarious. He was dope, man. I got to, I got to do a yeah, show that's right. Him. He's cool. Yeah. I hope he, I man, I hope he gets an opportunity. I, I know, I don't know what happened with Dallas, but I hope he gets another chance. I mean, the list is endless. What's happened with Dallas yeah. just across the board? Yeah, I hope so too, man. You know, he, uh, me and him were able to talk a little bit afterwards too, and uh, really, really cool dude, man. Yeah. Really smart guy too. For from like, uh, just like the way he carries himself, I just loved the conversation. And um, I mean, look, to be a professional athlete, you could be a, you have to be. The football IQ is just like tremendous you have to do so much studying and yeah, even man. for defensive linemen he was able he, to tell me yeah. about like gap control and shit right. especially and he, a guy in his position because he's a nose tackle he he was saying he one thing that he brought up to me you know something i knew from like playing high school but like he really like gave me like 10x mm -hmm. he's like yo a lot of times if you see a defensive tackle and he has zeros across the box score mm -hmm. he's like he's actually played a really good game especially if like the linebackers behind them because one thing about that is you know, like if Dontari Poe is getting double teamed and the linebacker behind him is making 12 tackles, that means that he's taking up those double teams, right. freeing up for the linebacker exactly. to be able to go and do what he got to yeah. do. And he's done it, whether it's for Derek Johnson, Deion Jones, or even when he was in Carolina, Luke Keekley. That's right. that's kind of thing. It's like the two-gapping where it's like you're commanding all that attention and then it frees up space for the linebackers to penetrate and you know get those tackles for a loss. So, no, he makes a great point. Yeah, he's... Always been a very smart dude, and you know, it's guys like him, guys like Adrian Claiborne. I really appreciate. Like, you know, I always I find linemen to be very fascinating because they're in the trenches and they got to know certain play play designs because it's like if they're at a position for less than a second, it gets blown up. Mm. Like, there's no leeway. Like, you have to be on point, otherwise that play is getting blown up. And next thing you know, you're putting your team in either a second long, third long, or you're just destroying a drive. Period. You ever been starstruck by an athlete? When I was covering MMA, when I first saw GSP, which was... Wow. Yeah. Yo, you know he's my favorite fighter of all time, yeah, right? you told me this. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, when I saw GSP, was kind of like crazy because I covered MMA for a few years and there was this one press conference. They were promoting like a whole bunch of fights at the end of 2013. It was uh, GSP, Hendricks, Jones, Gustafson, Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, and... Think that no, oh, oh, yeah, they had Anderson Silva, Chris Wyman too, but Anderson bounced right away. <laughs> Anderson's like, I gotta go to Brazil, I'm out, so I didn't get to see Anderson. But I remember seeing George, and I was just like, Whoa, like, this is crazy. Like, I got Ronda was pretty big too at the time, but something about GSP, just his like legacy, and just like, I don't know, he just has that aura of just dominance, and he's just such a respectable person. Like, how can you not look at GSP and just be in awe of him? Because he's just like the picture perfect athlete. Like, if you want your kid to be an athlete, how do you not look at someone like George St. Pierre? Yeah, man, his career is really fascinating, right? Yeah. Being able to two division champion. I think he's the GOAT. Me too. Also, like his losses, he avenged them. Matt Sarah, yeah. And I think with him, just, you know, not never the one black eye on John Jones is like he's been popped for PEDs. Right. And I think that that has something to do with. 
where you rank them. Because if, if it wasn't, if John Jones was clean cut, you just look at the resume of guys that he beat and when he beat them. Insane. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's but Hall of Fame after Hall of Fame. Exactly, yeah. And icon after icon. Yeah. I do want to mention, though, work done was close, too. I, I remember after this was opening night, 2018, Falcons-Eagles. Falcons, again, lose in the red zone. Just, oh, man. <laughs> those those games against the Eagles, like every time they will lose on like 15 to 10 or 12 10 like it was just some ugly games but they were big time games and i met a lot of good people there because these were nationally televised whether it be the playoffs or you, you know how big the opening night is for thursday right, night. right 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 and i just remember i was going to dan quinn's press conference all of a sudden i just see work done i'm like whoa and i was just like hello sir i was like i was like pleasure to meet you everything's like hey how are you doing i'm like oh i'm just trying to go to press conference right now so we had just had a brief interaction i was like i was like, yeah i'm like 25 years old but man growing up watching you absolute treat you know i brought dvd dvd is uh Don Vic Duckett, you know, back in the prime days of Atlanta Falcons football. He's like, oh, man, you watch it. Like, it was just a good conversation. And work done was there because he works a lot in the community when it comes to building houses for, you know, lower class people. So I think he's always been like a big ambassador of football. So, again, to talk to him was like a really cool moment because, you know, it's like when your favorite team, you watch them when you were, you know, nine years old or even as a teenager. It's those moments it's like, whoa, like I remember me, Michael Turner, I admit that was a little bit of a cool moment too, because that's like top five for me. I love me so Michael Turner. And that was like another moment. Like you obviously don't want to fan fanboy out, but it's just more like you give him a firm handshake and you just just show him your appreciation. Do it in like a most polite manner and keep it moving. That's what I kinda do. Yeah, I think that's the best approach. I think they they like it too. Right. You know, I was able to meet a lot of wrestlers a couple of years ago when when SummerSlam was in town. Mm-hmm. And that was like, yo, that's when I realized that I could be in any situation with people that I'm a fan of and be able to keep my composure. Right. It was like seeing Triple H, Big Show, right. Roman Reigns in the elevator with him. Mm-hmm. I was in the elevator with Roman Reigns and just like looking over at him. And I was like, yo, man, I'm a big fan. Yeah. I was like, I respect what you do. Just fist bump, yeah. walked out. He's like, thanks. It was like 3.30 in the morning. Right. And no picture, you know, mm-hmm. like just I'll never forget that. You know what I mean? Because I think that's what what's athletes, celebrities like they they just want to have like a human conversation. Treat them like a human being. Yeah. Like okay, you can show your appreciation, but don't be, don't like get on your knees. Like don't do anything over the top because it's just like oh, they've seen this before. It's like they don't really want this, but if you have like a nice positive interaction, that'd be cool. Like, I'll never forget me. I'll never forget I met Jim Jones and Cameron while I was at Billboard. That's cool. And I was like, whoa. Dip shit. Dip yeah. shit. I was like, kill a cam, cam, kill a cam. You know? And uh, it was just cool. I was, giving, I was in a suit that day, too. I was dressed real nice. And I'm like, yo, what's this dude dressed up as suit for? And uh, yeah, it was just a cool moment. Give him appreciation. And I think they were just trying to promote something. But it's just stuff like that. You just give a dab, have a brief conversation. Just maybe try to give them something that'll either make them laugh or make them think, oh, wow, you remember that? That's something that I think... It, it builds something like it gives them something to think about and it just creates like a real positive moment. And look, if they want to interact with you more, that'd be cool. Like that was something I love with Dan Hardy. I met Dan Hardy at Luke Thompson's show a couple of years ago and I just gave him a shout out um, on his interview with uh, Masvidal and he wanted to talk to me more. I was like, well, what are your thoughts on this and that? So I had actually like a good 10 minute conversation with Dan Hardy at legends at all places too, right? I think I missed Let's go, baby. Yeah. Home base. <laughs> so, uh, stuff like that it's like you don't know how they're gonna react like there's some people it's like oh wow they have interaction it's like man i want to kind of talk to this guy more you got me a good mood so and who knows what that could lead to so if i could give any advice for that it's just stream as human beings show your appreciation and off the top of your head maybe give them something to think about and who knows maybe you can have an even more of a conversation and who knows maybe they can inspire you further you know i've definitely had that happen to me before
Man, that's so cool. When and you could tell, you can tell when someone has a genuine interest in like talking to you. Like I'm a big read the room guy. Right. I'm a big being able to leave an uncomfortable situation. I don't stick around too much. Mm-hmm. Like if I know that you could just tell, man. If right. you're not an if you're not an idiot, you could tell that that person really don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> Short and sweet, and just move on. Right. I think with me, man, I think literally the only person that will leave me starstruck is right over my shoulder right now. That's it. Yeah, that'd be hard. Stone cold. Right. Like if I like if I'm a Kit Cuddy, man, I would have to. Yo, like, there's, there's, <laughs> deep breath. There's no one that in this hypothetical situation can walk through that door right now that yeah. I can't do a pod with, like right away. Just no notes, nothing. I uh-huh. can just shoot this shit with. Yeah. Stone cold. I would need like. I would need a second. I, gotta I might cry. I got to gather. I might like cry and, and need to gather my thoughts before I can press record them. Oh, I got to just gather my thoughts. I, I just got to do this right. That's Yeah, that's my goat, bro. Yeah, that's man. why he's over the shoulder in all the videos. <laughs> Dude, I want to uh, talk about something on a serious note. Uh, you've been very outspoken about mental health, depression, um, bad thoughts, and... You know, I didn't know about this until you put out that article. Like, that article's been out a while now, right? What, back in 2018? Yeah, yeah. 2018, about, like, your battles with depression right. and all that. And I'm not going to lie, bro, that was, one, revealing to me because you always hear about not knowing what someone is going through until it's too late. Right. Luckily, that's not the case because mm-hmm. you're here, God forbid. Yeah. But... I really respected that. I grew more appreciative of you opening up that way. Was that hard to do? Oh, yeah. Because, Why? Was it, were you worried about... Public perception is big, but also, I'm, even though I am kind of outspoken, I'm also really a private person. Like One thing I don't really like to talk about my family because it's like that's just stuff I don't really... You just don't want to put like certain personal information out there. I, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, like, like, even though I don't come from much of a... Like I come back, I come from like a bit of a fragmented family background, but I'm not really going to put drama out there because it's just, it's, it's toxic. Like it's not that whatever I'm struggling with, I'm going to decide I'm going to do it. And if I'm going to do it, I want to either inspire others or give them other perspective because one thing about me is like, I don't like putting burden on others. And maybe that's been a little bit of a detriment to me, but if like I'm enduring something, if I'm really battling something, yeah, I might be vocal about it, but. I'm seeking other ways for help, whether if I'm meditating, whether I'm going to therapy, whether I'm watching motivational videos, like I'm, I'm taking other steps rather than just, yeah, I'm going to address it because ultimately that's the thing you have to address at some point. You have to communicate with others. You can't just box in for, I would say for about like four months, I tried boxing in, just trying doing different things, just trying to be like, all right, I'm going out to clubs and, you know, dating girls, whatever. It's cool. But when something's really deep down affecting you it's like you got to be able to communicate with people that you really trust and you got to get like a cleaner perspective on it and then and if you need to take other measures do it go to therapy and find someone that's more objective because you know you could have a close set of friends but some friends they're not going to want to be too critical of you because they see you as in such a vulnerable state right and there's also there's an attachment and, and a little bit of a bias right. where it's it's hard man it's hard to find friends who are going to be like yo you're a dick <laughs> Like, no, you're an asshole yeah. for that. You know, like I have relationship with some of my friends and I think everyone listening to this has this where there are certain people that even though if you know them for a long time, you can have X conversation with and you could have Y conversation with, mm-hmm. but you can never have X conversation 
with the person you had why conversation. All right. Did did I lose you there? Or do you understand what no, I'm in saying? No, in a way, yeah. Like there's certain things that I could tell you that I won't tell Ralph. All right. Shout out to Ralph. <laughs> shout out to Ralph. Yeah. There's certain things that I'll tell Danny yeah. that I won't tell you. Right. It's just like that's just it's it just people like in the, it's about like you know who you communicate with, but also it's like you gotta see what their tendencies are, what they want to be, because yeah. those mean you don't want to put people in uncomfortable situations. But there's also times where it's like, okay, am I able to have an uncomfortable conversation with someone? Can we address this in a sensible manner? Because ultimately, look, no one wants to have these crazy arguments. No one wants to have tension. No one wants to get things so aggressive or you know, God forbid, even violent. So you just kind of have to gauge, you know what personality you know what clicks you know I, I have some friends that i could go super deep with but then there's others they like to keep it very light they don't really like to get too much into personal stuff so you know you you have to respect boundaries that's one thing i've learned because there's times you overstep boundaries and it could get bad so no and i think it's i think it's that's the best way to do it mm-hmm. and i don't think it's right for you to put people in uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. i got a buddy of mine he's like yo bro listen i wish you the best i don't want to hear your shit right and I respect that mm-hmm. because I know that I don't got to waste my time going to talk to someone like that. Right. Because you got, you, got, just, you got a conclusive answer. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, yo, I can't tell you how much I love honesty mm-hmm. and to the point. Right. Like, yeah, you know what? You slide into some girl's DMs. Like, don't leave me alone. Yeah. Don't, don't leave me on. Yeah. I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right. I will not bother you again. I won't call you a bitch. I won't like do the fucking, oh, you're ugly anyway. Like, no, that's not what I'm doing. Right. Like, I like straight to the point. Right. Just tell me. Like, yo, not interested. I don't want to help you. This and that. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that it was like some people, everyone deals with things differently. Me, when I had my issues around 2018 you know i like to say 20 and it's always easier to talk about it after the fact yeah, yeah 2018 was the worst year of my life and i can't even tell you what the number two seed in the bracket would be like i yeah. can't tell you who who runner up is it's right. just it was, it was so just a collection of a lot of things yeah. right like i was gonna become a cop mm-hmm. i didn't want to be a cop i ran through like forty thousand dollars of my own money mm-hmm. On like shit I didn't even want to. Lawyer fees, retainers, right. the whole nine. Being pulled in so many different directions. Ruining relationships with people that are I'm close with. Whether it was family or friends or close friends, whatever. Just uh, blowing opportunities on networking. Mm-hmm. Because I was in this bad state. Having braces on. Like I didn't yeah. go out for like 12 months, bro. I wouldn't go out. Just because it was an insecurity right. of mine. I felt like a loser. And like that was tough for me, man. That was tough. And my only my only escape was the show. That's why the show means so much to me. And even just like talking, press and record, and you kind of just I mean, shit, we're coming up on an hour that we've right. been talking. And it's just like this is my therapy. Yeah. I also love you talked about inspiring people with opening up. I get some criticism from people that are close to me, like, yo, you don't gotta tell everybody everything. And yeah. Same here. But on the flip side, that's my therapy. Right. Because when I put out some shit that I like, you know, I'm going through something Mm -hmm. or I'm asking for help. Mm -hmm. I think it's a guy thing. Like guys don't ask for help. Right. Because they think it's like the machismo ego thing. Masculinity. Right. Right. Especially us like being European too. (laughs) Like I think that's big in the European country. I guess. Yeah. Balkans. You're Greek. Yeah. Yeah, The Mediterranean around there. 
but like for me that's how i like to cope with things Mm -hmm. putting it out there because then you know someone reaches out to you and they're like yo man i'm kind of going through the same shit or i went through the same shit and then before you know you're having a conversation you've killed a little bit of time some people just operate differently i guess you're not gonna please everyone like yeah i definitely got my fair share of criticism over the years but it's like look this is how i approach it and and if you know me well because some people say it's attention seeking it's not it's like no like there's ways people articulate themselves you could tell if it's attention seeking or you know quote-unquote cloud chasing for me no it's like this is what i'm enduring and like look i got things i gotta live up to like like that's why whether it was a 2017 or even last year like there's things that i have expectations live up to and if there's times where i'm kind of fading a little bit or i'm losing my passion or something i gotta address like okay if this piece isn't come out this is why obviously you want to have that respect factor. it's like look i can't totally get into everything but you know i want to give people that are invested in my work you know idea of like why didn't this happen because i'm all about transparency obviously you can't give them all the information possible but i want to give them like a clear idea of like you know why wasn't maybe something executed because i just feel like i don't know i always feel like i have to fulfill the obligation so that's kind of how i look at it but you know there's people out there they always look at your approach and they're just like you, know, you don't really have to do this or is it really that much but like look this shit means a lot to me and you know there's people that depend on me and you know, sometimes I feel like I let them down. I got to at least give them the response. Why? Yeah, I think I think that's the best way, man. I don't think people can hold. It's it's I live by the saying never good enough. I want to say I live by it, but it's like one that my buddies and I kind of threw together where like, you know, it's we're at the roulette table in Vegas and you win 100 bucks, but you really wanted to win a thousand. It's like, yo, you should be happy, bro. But, you know, it's never good enough. Right. right? Like you go, you go twenty six and eleven in Call of Duty Team Deathmatch. It's like, well, I went twenty seven and two. It's like, all right, well, never good enough. Like I just had a good game, so I I like to live by never good enough. You, you're never gonna please everyone. You're just not. Right. And I think it's I think it's good to be transparent. I don't think there's a lot of transparency. I do think there's a lot of pandering, like you said. Like people will post things. They're not about it, man. Mm-hmm. Like if I was really an asshole, I would be calling people out on their BS just right. across the board. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's all the clickbait stuff, going back to how you were saying about the articles, right. right? Like, you don't like putting together articles because of it's clickbait or it's, you know, I've started using the word pandering because yeah. you're pandering to this audience because, oh, there's outrage over here. You're you're against super teams in the NBA. Well, I'm against super teams now, too, even yeah. though that's not really what you're yeah, about, right. you know? Like, or you're exploding something, like something that's like a trend and you're just like kind of using you're it. capitalizing on yeah. the yeah you're you jump you're cloud chasing just for, just for your benefit yeah just for the likes like that that that's kind of what's frustrating about it but but i think also another important perspective as and it's something that i've had to learn over the past year is not to get overly too bitter or jaded like if something doesn't come to fruition you know because i think one thing i've had to learn a lot is like not have such a gloomy outlook like if something happens like get real bitter or get very jaded my best yeah. advice to you and to anyone listening under promise, over deliver, mm-hmm. stay, stay mellow, right? Like yeah. I know that's Carmelo saying, yeah. but don't be a roller coaster, man. That's the worst thing. You want to kind of be just on the train tracks. Mm-hmm. You just got your dream job. Dope. You just got fired from your dream job. It's unfortunate, but like, and it's hard. I know it's hard because I, I still f- try to find that balance in between, but I, I just think it's important to not get too high, not get too low. Like something good happens. Like, yo, when I have something good happen, I celebrate for like an hour. 
I'll be super pumped. I'll, I'll let the people close to me know. And then for me personally, the way I navigate, it's like, whew, okay, that doesn't suck. That's good. That's working. All right, what do we do next? How do we, how do we evolve in this content world? How do we evolve in, yo, man, you've lost all this weight. That's dope. All right, cool. People are noticing that every day being in the gym, it's working. So it's, again, the, the validation. It's that pat on the back. It goes a long way. Right. Because I'm a very measured person, but it's just, I don't know, like my career trajectory or just things I've gone in my life, it's just, what's getting, like you mentioned, a roller coaster, and I'm just trying to manage through it. And you also have to handle it properly. Like Another thing is like, you know, everyone likes to talk about, okay, weed helps your alcohol. It's like, okay, I get there are certain benefits to it, but long term, it's just not. Like I'll admit, like last year, I think I developed a bit of a jerky problem. Even though it wouldn't look like it physically, it's just like I became too reliant when it came to coping with things. And it just became like, affected my work, affected my sleep, and just also when you wake up the next morning, you just like you're looking around like, damn, now my energy's not here. Now I can't be as productive. It just throws off I'm like the next out, two, three days, yeah. And you still have that thing lingering over you, whatever it may be. It's just like, oh man, this isn't healthy. And then it affects relationships. Like I had breakups over it. You know, I had it just. It became really exhausting, and just like man, ultimately, like I tell people, like what's the best advice? It's like. You just got to communicate. I know it's hard, but like you have to find the right base, just the right person to do it. And even if you, you got to isolate for a little bit, and I get it, you got to do that. But eventually, it's like you got to find you know, your core friends or you know, get that right therapist and just be able to you know, openly speak about it and just you know, be able to take criticism and then you know, address what your flaws are because you know, that's the best way to overcome things. You know, you, you know, alcohol, weed, it's just like, those are just minor remedies, but long term, it's just like, nah, this isn't it. Was the stuff that you were doing from a content perspective and everything that you were involved with, was that a way to help cope with the demons you were facing? At first, yes, but 2017 to help, that definitely helped me when I first got the press. And I think just looking back on 2017, it was just a lot of industry stuff. No, nah, and maybe it was some company stuff that was kind of affecting me, but I just think. Yeah, it's a bit of a leeway, but ultimately, no, um, it didn't help in 2019. And I think that's why I eventually I leave Espination. It's just because I think I just needed to take a step back. I was burnt out. I was became really jaded. And I'm just, and I'm not in a position where it's like, if it's like prolonging, I don't want to affect your product. Like if I'm not emotionally invested in it, it's like, I'm not going to damage yourself. I am not going to damage myself because I know I'm capable better, but I got to take a step back. So uh, at first it didn't, I think it does, but it also depends on the severity of the situation. And this was just too overbearing for me. I stayed through because I'm just committed. I have right, a contract right, right. to live up to. And we're in season. And I'm just like, look, I want to make sure I deliver. But eventually got to a point, like, once January hit, I'm just like, man, I am just burnt out. It has been a pretty traumatic year. Just let me reevaluate things. So uh, to, have a sh to keep it, I don't know, to have, like, a general answer, I think it can. But it depends on the severity and it depends on how you handle it. But, look, some things get very traumatic and there's some things you just can't overcome. And you got to have the wherewithal to just be understanding where it's like, okay, I, this isn't it. Like I got to make, I got to make adjustments. I got, just got to take a step back because I keep doing this. I'm just hitting a wall because one of the worst things is having creative block, but then you get jaded. And mm. then it's just like, once you get jaded, it's like, I'm just showing up right now. I'm putting together like 1300 words or I'm doing podcasts. Like even last year when there was some podcasts we did, I was just like, all right, football, talking about football is great, but like, I'm not really that excited. I got this like, I'm just trying to build it. I'm trying to keep things moving, but like, no, this is hurting. Like, I'm just, 
I'm trying to stay strong right now, but this is this is not it right now. Like I'm just I'm just trying to stay focused, but deep down I'm just there's a lot of rage going on. But I think that's why like it just helped to step take a step back. But you know now that all that's over, it's like you know and then eventually with the pandemic, it's just getting more clear minded. Because I just don't think you could really pursue something without being clear minded. Mm. No matter what adversity you're facing, yeah, we all face adversity. But if something is that damaging of why I went through, or even having like something like suicidal thoughts, it's like nah, man, you probably got to take a step back because ultimately you're damaging yourself and you're damaging, you know, your reputation and the people that trust in you. So, you know, value yourself, man. That's what my whole thing is like, you know, you got to look at acceptance. That's one of the biggest things because for me, working in media, it's all about, yeah, you're chasing acceptance, but you got to have self-acceptance. If you don't have self-acceptance, you're going to get eaten alive. And that was happening to me for a bit. So once I understood, okay, I have this acceptance, I know what I'm capable of. I know that I'm, I could do great things. But there comes a point where it's just like, all right, got, let's reevaluate. Let me just take a step back, and I'll come back stronger. And that's what you know I've been kind of committed to doing in 2020. Nah, man, that's really good that you could be honest. You could be transparent. You know, at the beginning of the this football season, you kind of told me that you felt burnt out and that you didn't want to commit because you felt like you weren't like all in. And I respect that because. I mean, I'm not really going out on a limb. This was mentioned on the Future of VM episode when we used to have the old bunch together. And there were times where people would come in and they would kind of just half-ass it. And you could tell, man, when you listen to something for so long, you could tell that there's conflict, there's maybe creative differences, and just like the tone and the passion to it. Mm -hmm. And... It's hard, man, when you have multiple voices, like it's hard to be on the same page on certain things. That's just like in general, right? right? Like going back to what you said about communication. Mm -hmm. And when I took my little hiatus from VM and I was kind of just doing the VM MBA show, mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was a very intriguing point in my life for me because I had to really evaluate everything that was going on with me. And this was in the at its core in at, at the core of all the BS I was going with, mm -hmm. going through, mm -hmm. and it just got to a point where like I had to make a decision, and ultimately I went into this route of content creating. I couldn't dump any more money into becoming a cop and like paying retainer fees and right. shit. It was just draining, bro. Dude, it's hard to save money, man. It is. And to have like fifty, sixty thousand dollars to your name, and I wanted to get a food truck. Mm -hmm. And then the food truck was like, oh, you know what? Let's not. Let's wait and see if you become a cop because you got sold on like the benefits and like the pensions and shit. Right. That's security. Security, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, pay vacations. Because right. you have you have these different options, and you, and you you have to like really assess. You know, the, everyone talks about the pros and cons, but then you really have to look at the passion behind it. It's like, am I going to be really motivated to do this? Is it really going to push me? Because you got to look at the day to day grind. It's like. Am I going to really, because, yeah, you're going to have some setbacks and halts, but also behind it, within 10 years, are you really going to, you know, have that urge to really push yourself? And, you know, what you're doing now, it seems like you really found that. And yeah. Now it's just something like you're in this creative mind state. It's like, okay, I can pursue this. You know, I, when it comes to other industries, I, you know, I don't have much knowledge of it, but it's just, you want to be somewhere in a position where you're in a, not just a hope, but where it's just like there's no possibility of growth. I think that's scary where you're in position like, okay, it could be you have positions that could be repetitive, but you know at least 
you're impacting others and there's possibility for even more, whether it's reaching out to others or, you know, potentially handling other responsibilities. But when you're in a position where it's just like, okay, you got to fill this quota and then this deadline, but it's just repetition and there's nothing much, there's not much passion behind it and you're just kind of isolated. It gets bad and, and you could just, it kind of wears on you. And then you start questioning everything. You really start questioning, what am I doing? And you don't want to be in the, ever in that position, but especially when you know you get older. That's why you have to reassess now. Like imagine being like your early forties and just being totally depressed about your job. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's soul draining. Yeah, it's. I think, and I had a conversation with a buddy of mine who works in real estate. I should know this is terrible. <laughs> I'm not going to mention his name. Sorry, man. But he works in like real estate or he, he does like uh, front desk work. Something. It's like a pretty, it's a, it's a nice nine to five job. Okay. Like it's nice paying. And I remember having a conversation with him. And he's like, yo, I love what you do, man. He's like, it's so dope that you're trying to like carve out your own lane and you know, you stay creative. He's like, I love your stuff. And uh, I was like, yo, I just want more out of things. Right. Like I'm happy that I have this this family business that could be like stable, even though it's a little uncertain now with the covid times. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I do have this food truck now. I do have this business that I could fall back on and and sort of I've coined it the dream supplier. Like it's allowing me this luxury between like everyone who listens to the show and the downloads and the Patreon. That's really helping fund my dreams and aspirations you know like i'm not gonna lie to you alan i want to be the next bill simmons and joe rogan you know why bro because they got thrown 250 million dollars that's one way (laughs) yeah like that's that's dope you could just come on and you get to the the coolest thing about this is like i've got to meet a lot of dope ass people and people that are cool and you can network with and just like learn from like i had this kid ben on a couple weeks ago talking about cards i've gotten into sports cards and like he don't even have a crazy big following, but he's worked with some big names. Like he, he's worked with Paul Rivera. He's worked with, with Complex. Paul Rivera is the the brain operations behind the shop, oh, LeBron show on nice. HBO. Yeah. And like he produces his podcast. So it's like, again, going back to the networking and you never know who you're going to run into, who's going to vouch for you, who's going to help you and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, shit, if it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't have all of this that's going right. on you that's know why like, you have to embrace it that's why i tell people you have to man yeah. you have to take it for what it is and depending on how you use it it's different like yo keep it real with you if you don't have something that you're trying to build social media i could see why it's such a hassle and so like whack to people yeah like it's it's hard to to grow on social media it's hard to create stuff on social media. Like if you're just a, like when I first got Twitter, bro, in 09, me and Joey were the first two on Twitter. Yeah. I remember there was a time where like I had like 450 followers on Twitter because I had like a three month head start on them and I was yeah. like putting them on to like what Twitter was. Yeah. And it was just like none of our friends had it. And then like 2011, everyone started having Twitter and shit. But it was just something where like I shouldn't have had a Twitter back then. Right. Cause like what was I doing? I was I don't even know what I was tweeting or posting or doing, you know. It's just, just being a kid. Yeah, you're just yeah. being a kid. You're in college and shit. Yeah, like, right. yo, I hope I get some <laughs> tonight. You know. Yeah. So it's just I I understand what the issues are with like social media and like the the, the creative being in that space of like creativity and whatnot. You know, like me, man, I just don't want to 
I like telling my my story from now because it's easy for you to say it when you get there. Right. Like it's so easy for like Warren Buffett to go and like do a lecture and tell you. Mm-hmm. Also, on the flip side, you should listen to someone like that in a lecture because he's already been established. Right. Whereas like someone like me who's like, yeah, I'm making strides, but I'm still not there. Like right. I haven't created or or mm-hmm. entered that atmosphere of cachet yeah that place of like real fulfillment of real like okay now i've really established myself where you know i have this platform and you know we're just consistently doing it it's like you know we have guests on every week or we have this project on or we have things that we've now achieved like yeah we've achieved some things but it's not to like the highest of levels where it's like okay now we're on this platform like you know i mean when it comes whether it's getting guests sponsors or hitting number objectives or working with this network whatever it may be like you have your own personal goals like you know we don't have to categorize it but i think that's what you have to look at just when you build year in and year out it's like you know you set your goals and you know what do you ultimately want to achieve that's how you have to look at it you know when you want to pursue something no that's that's definitely true and that's exactly it are you a write down your goals guy not uh, i'm more i don't know it sounds lame i'm more like you know Mentally, I do it. Like mm. I'm not someone that really puts things pens to paper. I'm not like I might save quotes here and there, but I'm not really like I don't put on like a big board. It's more of just like I kind of know what I want in my life. I know what I want to do with it. And You're just gonna shit on my whiteboard that's out there. Hey, look, everyone's got their style, <laughs> man. You know, so, some people approach it like they're Tom. You, some people approach it like they're Tom Coughlin. Other people approach it like you know I don't know who how to describe it, but. You know, like I'm, McVeigh, right? McVeigh has like photogenic memory and <laughs> can remember plays from week three in Washington. That's scary, by the way. Yeah, that's really that. wild. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just someone that's more I'm mental because I don't know. I think one issue I still don't sleep very well. So I, sometimes I just wake up so early and like that's how I'll get my, I guess, creative mind going. Either that or like when I'm on the train, like it'd be late at night and I'll just start you know, thinking about potential things like, you know, career options. But uh, yeah. It's obviously important to have goals, but it's how you, I guess, strategically put it together, whether it's something you want to write it down or something that's in your head or also you got to see like, cause things could, not things, things could transition so quickly. You never know what you can get. I think that's one thing 2020 showed us. Yeah. Right. 2020. It's weird, right? Because 2020 from a content show VM perspective, mm-hmm. it's the best year I've had. Nice. My nine to five family life job, it's the worst year we've had because of COVID. We work in the food industry. We're out on the streets. Mm -hmm. All the office people are not around. It's basically all union and construction guys. So it's it's such a like yin-yang effect, if that even makes sense, where one thing is striving. COVID actually gave me the luxury of experimenting with more things, more podcasts and shows, more long form conversations, mm-hmm. more uh, creative segments. You know, like one thing people don't know, or I don't know if I've ever mentioned it, but like even in the past, bro, like I have an entire binder full of segment ideas that I still haven't even unleashed because yeah. I just take what I like to do and the analogy I like to use, man, and how I've created my own style. And when I mention these names, you can get an idea of what I'm doing. It's like, I love the Bill Simmons stuff. I love the Ryan Rosillos. I love the Joe Rogans. I love, you know, the the flagrant two guys. I like uh, Lex Friedman, if you know about Lex Friedman. He's, Lex Friedman. he's a scientist. Okay. 
like I like those like intriguing, inter- interesting conversations. And I take little bits and pieces of all of them, throw them in a pot, and I'm the one that's cooking up the recipe. Nice. And then I give you me. Yeah. And it's cool. You also have those figures that you look up to. I think that's very important. You know, people say it's cliche or cheesy. To me, it's like you got to have, you know, four or five people that, you know, you stay in tune with and you look at them. It's like, damn, I could take something from that and I could really use it to benefit my life. So it's good that you have those figures because I think it's important wherever you're pursuing whatever industry because, you know, it keeps you engaged. But then it's also like, man, look out there. It inspires you. It's like maybe I could go that route or maybe I could take, you know, something that they put together, you know, their interview style. Because one thing I'm trying to improve on, and I know you do too, is like trying to improve on interviews. Like you want to try to like how they style their questions or, you know, when's the right time to talk about this subject or transitioning in particular. How do you go about your interview style? Are you a write down all your questions and ask them? Are you a feel guy? I'm a big feel and energy guy. At first I was more into questions, like write them down and get to it. But now it's more, uh, you know, you want to get that feeling. But also you have to, you have to take into account of how much time you have with a person as well. That's true. Because yeah. sometimes I'll run with players and it's like, I only have 10, 15 Yeah, minutes. you can't ask them about their favorite Netflix show. Right, yeah. Right. Well, that's another thing I think why podcasts are booming because where you have 35 seconds to ask Julio two things, if you ever get him on a podcast, if you ever get him on a podcast and you don't invite me, that's like, you're, you're entering. Dude, he doesn't do interviews. <laughs> you're entering Suplex City, bitch. But uh, in a podcast, you can sit down and really like get to know that person. And then that, that relationship can completely change. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I, uh, I'm i a big... Like, look. It also depends on the guest. When I had the Narcos guys on, I had like notes for it. Because that's like historical context. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say anything that's inappropriate. I don't want to say anything wrong. Yeah. So I had to have that like... Oh, yo, you know, in, in Medellin, Colombia and in and, 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 and Cali from 1981 to when Pablo Escobar died, yeah. it was the most cases of murders in the world. Right. Like it was a murder capital of the world. Like I have to have information like that. So when I'm talking to Javier and, 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 and Steve, it's like I could bounce that topic off of them. You know, like for that, I had, yeah, I had notes prepared, but... You know, when, when I talked to Ariani Celesti, I didn't. When I had when we had Ariel Hawani, I didn't. Like you also know me and my style is I like like the storytelling because right. like how often are you gonna ask someone like, Oh, what'd you think of that slant route you ran? Like, yeah, yeah that's important. I get it. Especially right. when you're writing it's also different because like you have a deadline to hit. You have to do an article recapping the game. So that slant on third and seven that went for forty yards mm. and flipped field position. Like, yeah, that's an important question. I get that. So I do think context is very important. But I always have, like, I'll know what I'm going to talk to my guest about. One thing that I'm doing better to sort of ease up my guests is kind of give them an idea of, like, what I want to talk to them about. Sounds like the tone. Yeah, the tone and, like, you know, I want to talk about, like, how you got into your craft when did you know you'd be a pro and then like i want to ask you some funny dumb shit too they'll be like yeah i mean cool like and then it's a feel you know in the past when i first started doing the the, the podcast and i didn't know no better dude Mm -hmm. i didn't know we were basically going off like what tim would tell us because he was in the journalism world but he but he was more of a writer so like even that was new territory for him as Uh well so when when we would do the show i would have like the questions and like what i noticed and what worked for me was well what didn't work for me is 
say I was asking you, like, Alan, what do you think of that third down play that you converted mm-hmm. when you guys were down 17 and it kind of jump-started your offense? Yeah. You'd give me an answer, and, bro, I wouldn't pay attention to shit because I was really worried about getting question two in. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you just talked, and, like, yeah, you didn't. I didn't give you no feedback. Mm-hmm. You didn't, like, entice me to give a follow-up. It's very robotic. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's what I've, I've learned to improve on and mm-hmm. continue to. I, I do think I do a pretty decent job on it. Mm-hmm. Like, I get to. I get to what I want to ask him. And I've never left the podcast where I'm like, damn, son, I wish I would have asked him about that. That's important. Yeah. Because this times I definitely have that in my mind. I'm like, ah. That would be one of the bullet points that I would put down. You know, like when I, when I talked with Jessica, I, Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to ask her about the Valentina KO. Mm -hmm. And then she brings it up the first time. I do like a follow-up, but I don't ask her about it. And then she brings it up a second time. At that point, I'm like, all right, well, I need to like. Right. And I just flipped it in a in a nice way. I was just like, yo, you seem to be in high spirits about this. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not beat around the bush. That's a, that's a knockout that's going to be seen forever, especially in the women's. I mean, yeah. shit, that was a crazy knockout across the board. Right. But I was like, yo, you feel like you're in good spirits. And then that turned into a 15-minute conversation about like, yo, it's it's fighting, bro. Like. That shit's gonna happen to you. Mm-hmm. Like people get like DC has gotten finished, right? Majority like, of fighters have been finished once in yeah, their career. That's like that's, it's just that's the nature of the sport. It just yeah. happens. Comes with the territory. Exactly. So you're just gonna yeah. dwell on it. Like the ones that dwell on it never progress. Like McGregor's been stopped twice. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like it's just it's just part of the game, especially in the fight game. Most sports, that's just how you recover from setbacks. It's just a matter of you know who the person you know. I, are they willing to speak about? Because, you know, look, there's athletes where they have managers and they just want these certain questions asked or they got promote sign. That's why not all interviews could always go down smoothly. Some you just really have to adjust to and just be like, all right, get the six minutes in. Let's just do it. Fine. Yeah, I've had that too where like it's, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a gift and a curse. It's a gift where when they want to promote something, it's easier to get them. Mm-hmm. But then the curse is that sometimes – they don't get too enthusiastic about that conversation until it's the thing they're promoted at the end of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You know, my new book that's coming out or it's new app. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm this new partner app I'm with, in, but yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you obviously want to do it for the look, but then it's just, I don't know. You, you want to make the best of it, but you just have to cut, you kind of go in there with somewhat low expectations. Just like, all right, I'm not going to get the most groundbreaking thing from here. I'm not going to leave this being an off sign. Cause you know, there's some interviews you get out of and you're just like, wow. We hit on that. Like I thought, the interview we did with Ariel was standing. I loved every bit of it, dude. I like high fived you immediately after I stopped recording. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was fucking tremendous. Look, yeah. there's there's one thing, and I, I want to wrap up yeah, with this. Wrap it. Um, there's no one that I've ever had on this show that I didn't want to talk to. I think that's very important for yeah. people to understand. There's no there's no producer here. There's no editor. There's no nothing. Like obviously, there's not shit I'm gonna say because mm-hmm. duh, but. Even like partnered up with Blue Wire. Like they don't, they've helped me get some guests. I've said no to some people because it's like, I'm not really interested in you. Yeah, you have a great following, but that's, that's cool. But it's on your lane or. Yeah, like it's not, I'm not going to go ahead and and interview. I can't even think of someone right now, but like, bro, I'm I'm into like five or six things. Yeah. I'm into video games, betting, sports, wrestling, music, and like, I'm a naturally curious person. I get that from my pops. Okay. Like, 
my dad will be like, like nature or conspiracy theories. No, nah, oh. like I'm not into. I'm into sports conspiracies. Okay. Like, I do think there's uh there's another form of life somewhere, but like I'm not gonna go into a rabbit hole about aliens. Okay, but I do think the universe is is massive. Mm. But like JFK conspiracies, I don't like. That's not my thing. You know what I mean? But like. Yo, was it a frozen envelope when Patrick Ewing came here? Like, I'm into that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like, do they call fouls against LeBron mm-hmm. to make sure that it's the Warriors and the Cavs and the like? I'm into sports conspiracies. So, I, I that's why that's why I think people resonate with the show because they know that there's a genuinely curiosity. There's genuine curiosity with me, and like, I'll never give you something that I'm not proud of. That's important. So, that's something because I think it all comes down to integrity. Don't let anyone ever attack your integrity. That's like my whole message. You know, obviously, you want to stay positive, but, you know, when you're putting something out there, anything you do in life, it's just like make sure that's maintained because if you get too down the rabbit hole of, you know, chasing fame or chasing some sort of network connection, it could get a bit damaging and then who knows what that could lead to. So, for me, it's just like, you know, maintain who you are, your identity, and, um, you know, obviously stay open-minded because, you know, that's one of the most important things. But just, you know, maintain your core base and just knowing, you know, ultimately what you want to accomplish and how can this person benefit you. Because, you know, as they say, if it's not beneficial, it's artificial. So, mm. you know, look at something that could benefit you and benefit potentially others and you know, look to make a difference. So that's how I think you should always approach it when it comes to, you know, podcasting, you know, doing it so, so specific interviews or videos, any sort of thing in the content space. Just make sure it's beneficial. My guy, I've been looking forward to this one. I got a lot out of this. I hope the people enjoyed it. Uh, storytelling at its finest. Alan, where can they find you if they want to contact you? Alan underscore Stark. That's A double L E N underscore S T R K. I appreciate you, man. And uh, we'll do this again. Absolutely, man. It was a blast. You think you got it? I got it for real. You think you got it? I got it for real. You think you got what I got? This one for those they forget in my city. This dog off the leash and is ready to kill. Homie, go finish your meal. I'm coming for real. Taking that food right off of your grill. Nikki too ill. Can't let it drop and me spill. Clogging the lane. I'm feeling the strain. I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. Got it.